Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Thank you. Um, my, again, my name is Lindsay Hatch. Um, Rob Hatch is my husband. Son Jacob, daughter Gracelyn. Um, we're directors of the prayer room here at Storehouse. So it's a pleasure and honor to be here with you today. Um, the title of this message is Prayer, Fasting, Rest, and Community. Embracing a cultural shift in the Western church. So today uh, I should greet you Shabbat Shalom because I'm going to be talking about the rest of God and I'm going to be talking about um, inviting you to participate in Sabbath dinners here at Storehouse. Um, We're going to be starting them in August. It's going to be August, September, October, the first Friday of every month. And um, just inviting you to step into maybe something new. And um, I'm going to kind of talk to you a little bit about how I got to that and how the Holy Spirit led me into that place. But really, it's about rest. It's about entering into his rest and what that means. And so I'm just going to pray real quick. I I need the Holy Spirit to connect the dots uh, for me and for you so that this is all really going to make a lot of sense to you. And and we're going to just connect it. So, Lord, I just ask right now for a spirit of revelation. I ask for a a divine connecting of the dots, and I ask that we would really get into alignment with heaven and you and what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, this is, we are in the month of Av. So one of the things that I've been doing is um, just really, uh, just through the, it's like the Lord just took me by the hand and said, here, here's what I want you to start to study. And so I did. I started to study the months and the seasons of the Lord. And right now we're in the month of Av. And we just kind of entered it last week. And in the month of Av, um, this is when Israel hit the promised land. And there's a couple things going on. You had of some folks that were really in the place of believing. And we had some folks that were really in the place of unbelief. And so you had Joshua and Caleb. They were in the place of believing. And we had a whole nation that was in the place of unbelief. And um, so this all happened in the month of Av. They hit the promise, but then they saw giants, and then they had a choice. And this choice had some very severe consequences for the nation, and and released what would be a curse, right, on the nation. Um, And so I encourage you to do more of your research, but the key for right now is believing, and to not get into unbelief, because belief is attached to rest, Okay, so he said, you have a choice. The Lord told them, you have a choice. You can believe and enter into my rest, or you can get into unbelief, and it's going to make my anger burn over you. And that's what happened. Okay, so that's kind of a broad stroke. But um, I want to highlight the need for rest, but also a need for greater community vulnerability in this season. Um, This is a season where you need community really bad, but you also have to come into a greater level of trust with the people that you're around so that you know who's in your midst, you know who's for you, you know who's not for you. Um, And so it's really, really important as a community of Storehouse to know you better and to know those that are among us. Um, One of the things that I've noticed through practicing rest or a day of rest, right? Um, You may not know, but the Sabbath begins on Friday, Friday evening at sundown, and it lasts all the way through Saturday till sundown. And so during 
the quarantine, I began to kind of practice with my family and kind of see what this would mean for me to do. Um, and the definition that I did was I just started Friday at four and I ended Saturday at four because mainly when I'm working, I get off at four on Fridays. And so I'm a high school teacher and what we do in Texas is Friday night lights. We go to the football game and I grew up on the football field. My dad's a football coach. And so part of our culture in America is doing the, doing the stuff, right? Doing the Friday nights, right? But what I thought to myself is I felt the Lord drawing me into the place of Shabbat, which is very countercultural, right? So I started doing it, and I started realizing that something was happening with that when I entered into the rest of God that he's put before us. So I want to talk about that today. But um, one of the things that you got to know about Jesus is that he's Jewish. <laughs> For some reason, as the Western church, we have kind of thought that he's American. He's not American. Jesus is Jewish. Okay, it's real, real important. One day, a Jewish man is going to rule the world. He rules now, but a lot of people don't know it. But he says that one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. One day, he's going to set his foot in Jerusalem, and he is going to say a word, and ten, the kings of the earth are going to die. Do you understand? It's in there. He's going to kill them with the sword of his mouth. What's the sword of his mouth? Something he says. He's going to say something and kings are going to fall out dead. The rulers of the earth are going to be dead. It's going to be extremely shocking. This is the king of the earth. This is your king. But he's Jewish. He's not American. Okay, so we have to figure that there's something going on with the American church that we need to shift. Okay, so... First of all, the biggest question in education, we have these things called essential questions. So during COVID, I started asking myself some essential questions. My first essential question is, you got to ask yourself, Lindsay, or I said to myself, Lindsay, how do I know that the Lord is going to prepare a glorious end time church? How do I know? Like, it doesn't seem like much is happening. In fact, it seems like we're very far behind the eight ball here. How do I know that he's going to come back for a ready bride, right? And it seems like really far off. Like, how are we going to shift a whole culture into kingdom culture? How are we going to shift a whole nation into turning back to God, right? Well, my answer to this that we can look to is the word. One, it says he'll do it. But two, there's a whole list. And if you're ever in our prayer room, we have a whole list of the apostolic prayers there, the scripture in prayer form that the Lord gave to Paul, he gave to the disciples, he gave to the apostles to pray and to say. And we pray those here in our prayer room, but all of those talk about a ready bride. People have been praying these things for 2,000 years. And I'm pretty sure that the Lord is going to be faithful to his word. And all of these prayers that are filling the bowls in heaven are going to tip and this bride is going to be ready. 
And it's going to be a fiery bride. It's going to be someone who's passionate about the first and the second commandment. It's not going to be uh, some, uh, some bride that has no backbone, that has no boldness. These are people that are on fire. And one of the things I saw happening in the service today was a match being lit in your heart. I saw a, the Lord striking a match for hunger and thirst in this area to say, I want to shift the culture. I want to shift the culture. The essential question, though, was, and this is what makes, makes us say, Lord, this seems like a mountain in front of us, because I did a little research. This study is by Barna, and it's, it's called Competing, Competing Worldviews Influence Today's Christians. And this was from just 2017, okay? So it says that 17% of Christians who consider their faith important and attend church regularly only 17% of them have a biblical worldview. So out of all the churchgoers in America that may have received Jesus or they just go to church, right, whatever that means, only 17% of them have a biblical worldview, meaning that they're living according to the Bible and they're taking it at its word and saying, let me do that right? Only 17%. Well, you got to ask yourself, self, well, if only 17% are believing the Bible, then what are the other Christians believing? Well, according to the study, 61% agree with New Age. 54% resonate with postmodernist views, right? 36% is accept the ideas associated with Marxism. 29% believe ideas based in secularism, right? So we have what we call a church, but they don't believe the Bible. <laughs> this is just unbelievable to me, right? It's unbelievable. Only 17% of us actually believe the Bible. The other folks are doing whatever they want, right? And our 17% are not influencing the culture to say, hey, we need to go back to the word, right? So here's the thing that we've built our church on in the Western culture. We've built it on personalities. We've built it on holidays, Easter, Christmas. We show up for those. Okay, and we uh, have built it on how the church serves us and our agenda, right? So do they have a kids? Do they have a this? Do they have a youth from my troubled teen? Do they have a life group? Do they have all the things that I need for my agenda, right? And here's what has happened. This has not created intimacy with Jesus. None of this has created intimacy, and really it has fueled the enemy's dark plan in the Western church to move us away from the appointed times that God has made for us to enter into. Because again, Jesus is not American. So he has already stated in his word that he has appointed times where he will meet with his people. Now, has the Holy Spirit been poured out? Absolutely. It's poured out, right? We're not going to backtrack that much, right? Anytime you can meet with Jesus, like right here, right? I can feel the Holy Spirit today. Huge time of prayer. I can feel the Lord. 
but he has already said in his word when he will meet with us. It's not a mystery. He laid it out when he brought Israel out of Egypt, and he told them exactly when he was going to meet with them. Now, here's the thing. They are the olive tree. We are rooted into the olive tree. So why in our pride should we make up something new in order to meet with God? We have got to be rooted into that olive tree. And we have got to enter in to obedience and rest. The, the kind of obedience and rest that he has laid before us. Not what we have made. Right? So this is the enemy's plan. Let me go ahead and pass this down through the centuries, right? Let me go ahead and get an insidious seed planted. This is thousands of years ago. And let, let's perpetuate it through the generations so that those in the Western church will never know when I want to meet with them because they can do their own thing, right? And he's so gracious and merciful to us that he, he does meet with us right? Come to the prayer room. Like, you'll feel the Holy Spirit. You'll get a word. You'll, you'll, you'll feel him. But there, are, there is more, beloved, to, in order to connect with Jesus because he said exactly what to do, okay? So, um, man, we're kind of going a little slow, but it's okay. Okay, so here, here comes COVID happening, right? And, um, I had another essential question to ask myself. The question that I began to ask myself was, um, how do I need to come out of the culture? Because at some point, I'm sure you've had an epiphany. And you've said to yourself, self, this doesn't seem to be working. Um, your word says that I should turn back to you. How do I do that? especially if you're already somebody that's already praying, you're already fasting, you're already in the place of intimacy. What Tracy said, you're already abiding. You've been in the vine. You've been doing these things. And I had to ask myself, okay, well, all of these things are mainly in secret, right? I work in the marketplace. Like there are a lot of people that have no idea who, who I really am or what I really do. Not because I haven't been vocal about it, not because I haven't lived a life worthy of that. They just don't know because they either haven't asked or I haven't had an opportunity to tell them. A lot of this stuff is in the secret, but it has to look like something to people when they see it. And beloved, when I don't go to the football game on Friday night because I'm having a Sabbath dinner with my community and honoring God and remembering him on a Friday, that looks different. Okay, so do you see where my rationale was going? The Holy Spirit was kind of leading me into like, how do you get a culture to look different than the current culture? And he was showing me the nation of Israel as an example. And I was like, hmm, you really have put that out there for us. We're just happen to be not following it, right? Which is not our fault because our parents didn't teach us that because we grew up here. We didn't know right? So it's okay. But I wanted an exit strategy. I wanted something from the Lord. I wanted something that he would really rest on and I could step into something new. So just to, I mean, we're in a Joel 2 time that says, turn to me while there's time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning, right? Micah 6 says, this is what I require of you to do right, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God, Right? I've been seeing Second Chronicles 7 everywhere, right? 
If my people who are called by my name and humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and hear their land. Right? And so here I am. We're in the prayer room. We're doing this. We're doing this. And it's like, Lord, what else do I need to do? What do you want? And he's saying, I want a people group to do it. I don't want just you. Like, this is really, really good, right? It needs to just be you. But what I want is a people, right? He deals with nations. Yes, there's a remnant. But the scriptures say that in that day, even if Job and Noah were alive on the earth, they wouldn't be saved. Because he wants a people group to do it together, right? Um, So what I'm after is systemic change. I'm asking for generational revival. What does that look like? right? People revived are people that are alive and burning with intimacy. How can I hand that legacy to my kids, right? We have not done that. We have not cared about our kids in this generation, right? We, we, we have tried to get it for ourselves or not even that, right? We have to pass something down and you do that through culture, right? So um, this is really for your children. This is for you and for your children, Um, A couple of things that happened to me at the beginning of COVID was I had two dreams right away in March. So in the first dream, I was with a leader in the house, and we were driving in a Tahoe. She was driving the Tahoe. And there was a drawbridge opening, and in in between, going in between the drawbridge was a giant warship. Well, this woman drives that Tahoe off into the water, and I'm like, what are you doing? We're drowning. We're going to drown. The water's seeping in. And I'm like, 911, 911. I'm saying you need to call 911. And she's like, she gets her cell phone out and she's like, don't worry. I got this. I know a guy. He's going to pull us out. Well, then the dream shifts immediately to the next dream. And I'm at my parents' house and I'm looking out there, double doors to their backyard. And I'm seeing the, the, that the fence is on fire, blazing, but it's burning slow. And I run outside, and I'm like, call 911. We need to get the 911 fast. Get the fireman here. And as soon as I'm doing it, the fireman's already putting out the, he's already putting out the flames, right? And so I'm waking up, and I'm, I know that it's Amos 911. 911 is on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up his ruins, and I will rebuild it as in the days of old, Right? rebuilding the tabernacle of David. He's saying 911. It's going to put out the flames. It's going to help you tow out your truck out of the water during a national crisis. Rebuild the tabernacle, right? In Israel's history, now rebuilding the tabernacle of David is synonymous with turning back to God. It's also synonymous with revival, okay? In Israel's history, there were seven kings, Right? David established the tabernacle, and if you're unfamiliar with the tabernacle, this is where King David had 38,000 folks, Levites, employed in the temple, doing the things of the temple. 4,000 full-time singers and musicians, day and night, worship and prayer, going up to the Lord. Right? This is indicative of revival. This is indicative of a national turning. Right? Again, we have to remember Jesus is Jewish. We're not talking about an American revival. We have to do what Jesus says to do, right? So every time Israel had a revival, every king that tore down all the high places, 
tore down the Asherah, tore down the Molech stuff, tore it all down. Every single king that created revival reestablished the tabernacle of David. Every single time, seven times it happened, right? Because it takes intimacy to pass down to your kids to maintain revival. You can't have revival and it lasts one generation, then it's over. That's not doing anything for the culture. That's not doing anything for us. We have to have something that we can pass down, right? And so these seven kings, because he's going to do revival, he's going to do transformation through partnership. If one generation partners, but then the next generation doesn't partner, well, then it's not going to happen. This is what Luke 18 says, And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Justice through prayer and partnership, that's revival. Right? That's how you get it. Okay, so David emphasized a cultural change. Right? And that's what I started looking at. The Lord was like, Lindsay, you can't separate cultural change from what I've already said, right? So if you're going to look at cultural change, you have to look at the Jewish culture because those are his people. They are the original. We are rooted in, right? So you have to look about it, look at it, right? So I started studying, I started studying the Hebrew calendar, the seasons, the months, and I realized, because actually this was at the beginning of COVID, I was talking to actually Kim, and we were talking about, uh, we were talking about uh, the times and the seasons, and she had a book, and I was like, ooh, I want to know more about that. Again, the Lord was just leading my hand into it, and so I went home, and I, I, got, I got on a message by Robert Heidler, and it was in the month of Adar, which is the very beginning of the year. And he was telling me on the message that those in the covenant, right, were designed to prosper in every season. And I was like, how have I been missing this my whole life, my whole Christian life? I'm, I think I've been saved since I was five. Um, my whole Christian life, I did not know that in the covenant of God, we were made, Israel was made as a nation to prosper in every season. Now, whether they did that or not is their problem because they, they chose to not be obedient. But the Lord told them, like I just said, will you enter into the rest of belief? Because that's the rest that God has, God has designed for us. And it's under the covenant that we prosper in every season. I didn't know this. I thought in order to prosper, I had to like work hard and be cute and do all the things, right? Like I didn't know that because I was part of the covenant and I was grafted into the vine of Israel, that they prosper in every season when they obey the covenant, the things that the Lord asked them to do. And he made everything to sustain through the land and everything else. I didn't know that, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm learning this. Um, hold on. I'm look at something. Okay, good. Okay, so one, one of the places that I want to look at in the word today is Jeremiah 17, um, specifically verse 8. So in Jeremiah 17, we have Israel, and they are in the midst of a national crisis, right? Because I've been studying out, what do we do in the midst of a national crisis? Like, I want to know. I want to know what Israel did. I want to know what God says to do, because I want to do that. I don't want to, like, make something up. So Jeremiah 17, they're in the midst of a crisis, and the reason why is because 
two generations before King Hezekiah, who actually established the house of prayer and was a great king, a great friend of God. But he died. This is Hezekiah is the king who the Lord extended his life by 15 years. He died literally admitting, I don't care about the next generation. He admitted it. Go read Isaiah 39. You'll see the story. What happened? Hezekiah gets proud at the end of his life. When his life has been extended, he's had lots of answered prayer. But what he does at the end, he's so prideful that he lets Babylon come in and see all the riches of of Israel. He lets them see all of it. Not very smart. He reveals everything that was secret before the enemy. And what happened is, is Isaiah told him, Babylon's going to come or the army is going to come and they're going to strip you. They're going to steal all of this and they're going to make your children eunuchs. And he had the audacity to say, you know what? I'm good. I'm okay with that. As long as I have peace in my day, I'm okay with that. This is a declaration to us in this generation. I'm telling you, if you give away everything to Babylon, they will strip you of your wealth. They will make your children's eunuchs. And if we don't do something about it, our kids will have no spiritual power in the next generation. Well, this is what happened. This is where we are now in Jeremiah 17. The son, Manasseh, is getting crushed by the enemy. And the Lord is mad at Israel because they have no backbone and they're not being obedient. But even in the midst of a national shaking, the Lord says to them, he says, um, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. Right? This makes me happy, but I ask, it also ask, makes me ask a question. How can I be like this man? Because if they're in the midst of a national crisis and the Lord is saying through Jeremiah, this is how you prosper in every season, how can I be that? I want to get some of that. We need to be able to prosper in every season. We're in, a, in the midst of a national crisis, but the Lord says there's a way, right? I encourage you to study out Jeremiah 17 and 18. It's very interesting. Um, in Jeremiah 18, 6 and 7, it talks to us about how he deals with nations. It's very important to know how he deals with nations right now. Right? It says, The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck it up, to pull it down, and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And in the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build up, to plan it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. It's very clear. And even in those scriptures, you'll go to Jeremiah 17 and 18 and you will see that it's also related to the Sabbath. They were not observing it. They weren't doing it, right? So it's really important to not be offended 
and say, we've done it like this for so long. I really like Easter with my family. I love Christmas. I love my traditions. I love all the things. It's really, really good to love all those things. But if you're going to do those things, you should also do the things that the Lord said to do. Sorry to say, right? Um, so Ruth is an example. Again, another example. Ruth was a Moabite. She did not know anything about the, the traditions of Israel. But there was something about her, and she was in a crisis personally. As a woman in those days, you had no inheritance. She had lost multiple husbands. But she got it in her mind. Guess what? Let me link on. Let me link on to the arm of Naomi and let me go where she goes. Let me do what she does. And guess what? Immediately the Lord started providing for her at the fields of Boaz. And then guess what? The Lord gave her Boaz as a husband and put her in the lineage of David because she had eyes to see who she was supposed to connect with and eyes to see that there was something about the Jewish people that she needed to relate to, right? That's just one example, right? So there are hidden blueprints in the Jewish culture that we really need to get a hold of right now. I have some resources for you to study. Okay, the first one, what do you got up there? It's, he's going to put them up there. Um, get your phone ready. If, you're, if, you're, if this is piquing your interest, um, then what you're going to want to do is take a picture of this. This first one is called The Messianic Church Arising, Restoring the Church to Our Covenant Roots. This is by Robert Heidler. So take a quick pic. You can find his stuff on YouTube as well. The next one is called The Feast Unlocked by Alan Aguirre. Sorry, Ruben. Um, this is a good one. Oh my gosh. This you will want to just read and you'll be like so enlightened about a lot of the history about how this has all gone down. And you'll start to get mad because you'll start to see how the enemy has really gotten us fooled and hidden us from appointed times with meeting with the Lord throughout church history, right? The other one is called A Time to Advance by Chuck Pierce. So you can start learning about the timeline of the Lord and the, and how his timeline cycles us from glory to glory, from harvest to harvest, from strength to strength. Your timeline of your life is not going like this, like one timeline. The Lord's time is cyclical. You go deeper into his heart, deeper into uh, the mind of the Lord, deeper from glory to glory, strength to strength every year, right? You're not going like this right? He's renewing you and rejuvenating you. Uh, the last one is called, um, this is a, this girl is awesome. Her name is Christine Vales, and she's got amazing chalkboard teachings on the months of the Lord. So you can know where you are in the calendar of the Lord, so you can know how to respond in obedience in every single month. And you're going to start to see yourself prospering. It's going to be amazing. Um, we had the opportunity to be at a Sabbath dinner the other night with um, some folks from Israel. And I, I knew I was going to preach this message, so I went straight up to her and I was like, can you please tell me, because I mean, I'm a Gentile, um, I need to know why you think I should celebrate the Sabbath. Why should I observe the Sabbath? Why should I honor the Sabbath? And she said, well, I'll tell you this, the reason you should, even though you're not Jewish, and Ari was doing it, but I just wanted to know um, what she thought. 
And um, she said, the reason you should is because the Sabbath is not just for the Jews. The Sabbath was instituted at creation. Um, it was before the nation of Israel and therefore applies to all people. Okay? The Sabbath was made for man. It was made for agriculture. It was made for animals and all of God's creation so that they could rest in the sustaining spirit of God. Right? The Lord has designed a rhythm for life that was designed to prosper you through rejuvenating you through the rest of God, through the Sabbath rest of God. Right? Okay. So this is what I noticed. Okay. When I started observing the Sabbath, now my Sabbath has to do with leisure, right? If you know me, okay, Rob always laughs. He calls me lazy Lindsay because it's false. I am not lazy. There's one thing I know about myself and it is not that I am lazy, okay? I am a doer. I mean, I'm up and I'm on it. Like I can get more done before 10 a.m. than most of you can in entire two days, right? I'm just saying, I get, I can get something done, okay? So I am not lazy at all. And he always does, if you want to laugh, just ask Rob to do his duck voice and, and ask him to say something to your kid or anyone because it's really funny. But he calls me lazy Lindsay in this duck voice and it's hilarious. But I am not lazy. And so I have a problem sitting still. So my, um, rest looks like leisure. Because for me, uh, like COVID, I was never bored. I mean, I did projects and clean my house all day. Like I was never bored, like at all. I don't need to see more humans. I don't need to see anything. Like I'm, I'm good. Like I just needed the Sabbath to say, what am I going to do during this? Like twiddle my thumbs? Like, no, it's anything that's fun, right? So you might, I play tennis. I might play tennis on the Sabbath. I might do anything that you think is fun, that's what you should do, and you should be with people, and you should relate to them. And then when you're eating dinner that day, you should invite people over, and you should honor the Lord on that day. And um, this is going to be so good for you because it's going to rejuvenate your life. That's one of the things I've noticed is that instead of that Sunday night depression or like mm, Monday kind of a thought, like on Sundays, I'm getting fired up. I'm getting like a second wind. I'm ready to probably go home and do my floors today. You know, like I'm ready to go do it. I'm excited, you know, whatever I'm going to do, but I'm not depressed on Sundays. Like I had that, like probably for my whole life, like being a teacher, you're like Sunday. But now I don't have that. That was the biggest thing. It was very rejuvenating for me. Hebrews 4, 7 through 11 says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, this is New Testament, folks. And he's referring to this story in the month of Av. It says, for if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Again, not entering the rest means that you are being disobedient. Right? We don't want that. Um, again, Matthew 6, 28 through 34. I think uh, y'all have that one somewhere. Matthew 6, 28 through 34. It says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? This is talking about the rest. This is talking about the seventh day rest that he released on creation. And he's highlighting the birds. He's highlighting um, the lilies. It goes on to say, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet they, I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is gone and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Okay, national crisis. Feeling that feeling like, am I really bound to Walmart right now? Am I really worried about no toilet paper and those kind of things? Like, that, that was really bothering me, I have to say. Now, I don't live in the country, but I'm annoyed when I'm being ruled by Costco and Walmart and Sam's. Like, I, that's nonsense. I'm not going to be chained to these stores to get some toilet paper. Like, there's got to be something more, folks. And that's what I was asking the question, right? Verse 31 says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For after these things, the Gentiles seek. You got to ask yourself, why would he say that? Folks, you're a Gentile. Think about it for a second. Listen, you are a Gentile. If you want what God is saying, then you've got to graft yourself in to the people that he's talking to here. He says to the Jews, look, I'm the covenant. It says, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Why would he say this to them? If he was not referring to the covenant promises that he established as the rest for his people. Guys, we have to enter in to what he promised to Israel. We have to enter into biblical Christianity and how it says that we can prosper in the midst of shaking. It's not by running over to Sam's and stocking up on the toilet paper, right? But in the spirit, guess what can happen? You'll run into Sam's and there'll be one left and guess who it goes to? Because the Holy Spirit said, go then, you went then, and there was the toilet paper right? We walk in the spirit. We obey the spirit. We obey the word of God. And when we enter into the spirit, then we get the covenant promises that he's already established for Israel, but we're going to step into it, right? But um, all of these agricultural references are because he wanted to show them what they had, what their inheritance was in creation. Right? When you are doing the Sabbath and you pray the prayers that go with the Sabbath, they're all about creation. It's really, really cool. The other question that I was asking myself during the COVID, again, it kind of relates to the, the uh, Sam's and the Costco. But I was like, Lord, talk to me about sustainability. 
my refrigerator doesn't just automatically fill up. Can you please help me? But he is saying to us, enter into my times and seasons. He's saying to us, enter into my rest and don't be disobedient by getting into unbelief, but begin to believe that the covenant of God is for you. And the very covenant that sustained a nation, Israel has more than nine lives. Israel, Israel would not die, y'all. This, this nation has continued to rise and rise and rise no matter what has happened to it. This nation has found its way to the history books in every generation because God would not allow it to be wiped out. The plans are here. The blueprint is here. He's not going to allow you to be wiped out. He wants to bless you in every season like the vine. The last scripture, Psalm 1, you know this one. Tracy's been talking about abiding. It is time to cash in on your abiding. If you've been abiding, then you cash in. I went to a house the other day where someone was sick. And this mother has been in the house of prayer. She has been on her face for the last decade. I said to her, this is your time to cash in on your abiding. Psalm 91 is yours. You have been abiding in the place of prayer. You cash in on your inheritance and you declare the healing because it says no pestilence will come to you. This is what you need to do right now, right? If you're doing the things, then you cash in on it. Psalm 1 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Oh, blessed is the man who, not, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be, here's a promise, like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the, the wind drives away. Don't feel guilty for your friend who doesn't know the Lord and they're struggling. Don't feel guilty for them. Stand for them. You don't feel guilty for your promise. If you've been abiding, you're going to be like a tree bearing fruit in every season without fail. You don't feel guilty for that. There should be fruit in your tree in the midst of national shaking. And that fruit can go to the nations. That fruit can help your friend. You don't feel guilty about it. They need to know how to prosper. You're going to be prospering, right? Okay, so the last thing uh, is this. We're going to begin to do this as a community. I encourage you to study the resources. I encourage you to say, Lord, okay, she might be onto something, right? I don't claim to, like, know everything about it. And I'm definitely, I'm not Jewish. I mean, I'm a Gentile. So, but here's the thing. The Lord is giving us an invitation to study it out. He's giving us an invitation to be biblical Christians. To say, okay, what does this say? How do you, how do I respond right now? And how can my life look different to those onlookers that then would say, well, what are you doing on Friday night? Oh, we have a dinner. You should come. Right? And then when you pray the prayer and you're honoring the Lord, it's like, oh, what's happening here? I didn't know this was like 
but it's not church. It looks like community. It looks like honoring. It looks like people in the secret place honoring God and honoring each other and, and being together in community. And that looks really different, right? Um, some other things that, that, that caught my attention that led me into this was watching The Chosen because it highlights Jewish culture so well that I was like, I'm interested in this. I'm really, really interested in this. The other thing, I mean, you can watch different movies. I mean, go watch Fiddler on the Roof. You're going to see Jewish culture, and it's going to be like, ooh, this is, this is me. This is for me. And the whole time you're doing it, remember that your Jesus is Jewish. And if you want a WWJD, then you've got to figure out what the Jewish people do. <laughs> right? It's time for you to do that. <laughs> okay? So, uh what we're going to do is we have Shondell is here. Shondell, raise your hand. And Shondell is amazing. She's, her and Joelle are amazing resources as well. Her dad wrote the book. He's Alan Aguirre that wrote the book Feast Unlocked. So it's a, it's a cool connection. I've been so blessed to be connected with um, Shondell and Joelle. But she's going to be out there, and you can sign up for the Sabbath dinner. Now, if you want to host, that's great. We're taking hosts. But if you want to be go to it, then your name will go into a pool, and it'll get all mixed up like a fruit basket turnover. And then you'll figure out where you're going to go to your Sabbath dinner on the first Friday of August, September, and October right? And then the hosts will know kind of what to do and show you how to be intentional. The goal here is to show you how to do it and show you how to enter into it so then you can do it with your own family, right? And you can establish culture with your kids. You can establish culture with your friends, your neighbors, and those around you, right? Because culture, it, it can be passed down. So your kids will be like, what did you do on Friday nights when you grew up, mom? Well, what we did is we had this thing called Sabbath and we rested, Okay, so that can be taught, that can be taken on, on down the road. And so then you can also go to, what's that say, storehousedallas.com, Shabbat, slash, slash, Shabbat. And you can sign up for that. Um, but let's just stand. It's once a month. But you, you do it on the other Fridays by yourself with your family and your friends that you invite. Does that make sense? Okay, here's what I want to do, Right? We're in the month of Av. The key for this month is believing. Don't look at the giants around you. You're going to see giants. I mean, I'm already seeing them. I'm sure you're seeing some giants. You don't pay attention to those. You pay attention to the promise. You pay attention to the word of the Lord, and you go forth believing, right? And guess what? That's your rest. Rest feels like, guess what? It's done, it's done. I'm resting in my healing. It's done. I'm resting in my finance. It's done. I'm resting in my health. It's already done. That's the rest of God that is your inheritance. If you get into unbelief, that's when we have a big problem, right? And a lot of times, that's the biggest place where you should find yourself repenting. For me personally, I'm always repenting of unbelief. The word of God says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. If I see a sick person and I feel nervous or scared, like I can't lay hands on them, then I have unbelief. I'm always repenting of it. I'm just going to help you. Lord, we repent right now for unbelief. 
God, we want to go into the promise. We want to be like Caleb and Joshua that said we can take the land. We're not going to look around at our giants or the giants that are there in the land. We're not even going to look at other people groups or what they're doing, worried about them. God, we're going to go into the promise of God that you have for us through believing. We want to enter into the rest of God. I just declare rest over you. The rest of God where it is finished. The cross was our rest. God, I thank you that the seventh day rest is available for us. God, I thank you that as we say yes to the things that you have put in place, then we're going to begin to see a rejuvenation happen in our community, in our lives, and in our families. God, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.